Hello everyone, welcome back to Oh My Pod. Today I have an awesome guest with me. Um, we're talking pretty specific things, so get ready to hear some pretty juicy info. Um, this girl is one of my favorite people. She is so kind, so smart. You guys will really love her. And I'm gonna turn it over to you, Christina. Can you tell my audience who you are? Hi, Chelsea. I'm Christina of Christina's Colonics in Chicago, River North, and I own and operate Christina's Colonics. I am also a personal trainer and I do private yoga sessions, and I'm really excited to be here today. And also, everyone, she's beautiful. She has the longest lashes, <laughs> lips, luscious hair, like, okay, jumping off a bridge. I can't add up to her at all. Um, but I want everyone to know how you got started in this industry, not the clonic specifically, but just health and wellness. What drew you to that field? So health and wellness has been a passion of mine for about 16 or 17 years. When I was 19 years old, I went to the doctors and I found out I was morbidly obese had high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So, and I was always a fit person in a, in, I was a fit person in a bigger person's body. And, but I had terrible eating habits and that led to depression. And every time I would go to the gym, I would try to work out and I would get really discouraged because I didn't know what I was doing. And then I would just go to Denny's and eat something terrible. And um, that was a huge wake up call that morning at the doctor's. So I vowed to myself then that I was going to get healthy. So I, taught myself how to eat. I bought all these books on nutrition and fitness and I started preparing all my own meals and that's like my number one tool is meal preparation. Once I started to cut out all the bad food and the weight started to drop, I got comfortable exercising. And once I started exercising and the weight continued to drop, then I got really into a more holistic approach to healing and medicine. So I got into Ayurvedic nutrition, which I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with that, but that's a form of Indian healing. I've heard of it. Yeah. I, I looked into it a little bit and I was like, there's so many things out there now I can't keep up, mm-hmm. but we can definitely talk about that a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Ayurveda, Ayurveda is fantastic. Everybody should read up a little bit on it. It makes perfect sense. It's just eating seasonally. Um, everybody has different digestive systems, so we can touch back on that at a later time. Um, but yeah, so once I got further into that, I was introduced to colon hydrotherapy and I started getting colonics. My very first colonic was pretty intense and scary, um, but I felt fantastic. I literally felt like I was 10 pounds lighter. I floated off the table and I was completely hooked. And I never thought that I would actually become a colon hydrotherapist, but here I am. Here you are. And I'm trying to think how I even found you. I feel like I maybe heard about it or read about it, and then I just Googled colon hydrotherapy in Chicago and your name popped up. Um, So how did you get into colon hydrotherapy? So when I was in college, my major at the time, I'm from Buffalo, New York, my major there at Buffalo State was health and wellness, and I became the president of my health and wellness association. During that time, I was at a health fair and I met this woman, Dr. Kathy Stack, and she was a registered nurse, a dietitian, a midwife, and a colon hydrotherapist. So her and I just started chatting and just completely hit it off and I started seeing her for colonics. Throughout that time, the course of our time together, she started to get really busy and she knew that I was interested in a more holistic approach um, in my career. So she asked me if I would be willing to start working for her. So I was like, sure, this will be a nice little side job. Maybe I can give up a few bartending shifts. And she sent me to Toronto. I got my certification at the Canadian Center for Natural Health and Healing. And I came back, and I just completely fell in love with it. The first clinic I gave, I knew that this was what I was going to do. 
And that was that is crazy. Yeah. And I need to take a step back because I listen to so many different interviews and like watch YouTube videos, all these things to learn about colonics. But at the very essence, what is a colonic? So a colonic is a cleansing of the entire large intestine. So the large intestine is broken up into four different segments. It's the colon and it's the ascending colon, the transverse colon, the descending colon, and the sigmoid. Um, so the colonic will flush out essentially the entire large intestine and get rid of all the toxicity, all the excess impacted waste that's stuck on the walls of the intestine, um, gas, bloating, then it helps to reabsorb nutrients of the food that you're actually eating and it can help to um, aid in, um, sorry, <laughs> um, it can help aid in weight loss down the line. I don't like to advertise as a weight loss clinic, um, but I do help a lot of my clients with a weight loss goal um, with colonics. Because the cleaner the colon is, the less bad food you start, you crave. That's very true. I remember my first one, I was like, I really want to clean up my diet now because like Subway chocolate chip cookies mm -hmm. and like bacon isn't really no. making my skin glow. No, no. <laughs> so I was like, let me do this more often. But I think a lot of people get confused with truly a colonoscopy and mm -hmm. a colonic. Totally. And what are, like, what are the differences for people that don't know? So a colonoscopy is where there is a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, um, a camera. camera? Yeah. So it's a camera. It's a camera that is inserted into the entire large intestine and that can t detect if you have polyps, if you have diverticulitis, if there's any cancer cells. Um, but a, and you're not cleansing the colon with the colonoscopy. You cleanse before with the magnesium liquid that you have to drink. But a colonic, again, is just the flushing of filtered water in and out. So colonoscopy, so many big words, is pretty much almost like a health screening. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then a colonic. Can you explain the process of a colonic? Mm -hmm. Because I know I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was going to be weird. <laughs> um, but I think people should know it's not as scary as you actually think it is. Not at all. Colonics, that's a huge misconception about colon hydrotherapy. Everybody thinks that it's scary and painful when it's in fact, it can be a very meditative therapeutic procedure. So when my client comes in, the very first thing we do is sit down and talk. I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. I want to know what your ailments are, what's bringing you in, what are your goals? We talk about any medical history, any medications that you're on, supplements, and once everything is said and done, I leave the room, you undress um, and get onto the table, you're covered with a towel, and then I come back in and we start off with an abdominal massage. And that's just going to help me to relax you and also to help me feel around for any blockages and gas bubbles in the intestine. After the massage, you roll over onto your side, there's just a gentle insertion of the speculum in the hose. Once that's inserted, that takes seconds, you're on your back again. And then we just start the gentle inflow and outflow of filtered water. So at first, you're just going to notice some gas release and massage, and it's really warm, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like so not scary at all. Then we start with the fills and the releases. So a fill is essentially just filling up the entire large intestine. So depending on the person, depending on how impacted the colon is and, or how much gas there is, can depend on how long the it takes to fill the colon. So anywhere from 30 seconds to 60 seconds, I tell people for the first fill. And once you start to feel that fullness and any discomfort, I just release the water. Everything flows through the tube. You get to see everything that you're releasing. And we do that several times. And usually each fill after the first one, you get to take, you usually take in a little bit more water. 
Yeah, I remember the first time I was like, what is happening? I actually thought you were going to stick, like, a a hose (laughs) up there and, like, just blast water. Like, that is the image people think. And and when I told my friends, they were like, oh, my God, what are you, like, what do you mean? It just sucks things out of you. I'm like, no, trust me, it is the most gentle, quick insert. I don't know how to call it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then you just sit there and, yes, it's a little uncomfortable, but Mm -hmm. it's not this crazy thing where people think you're, like, tearing something open or or anything like that. Yeah, there's no pain involved with the the colonic. There is slight discomfort at times. Um, Females can can relate it feels similar to menstrual cramps mm-hmm. um that when and that's always a good sign i always tell people whenever you feel any cramping that's a great sign just breathe through it and i guide you through breathing techniques to make it a lot easier um, but that just means that your body wants to release and usually actually always after you feel that cramping sensation you always have this major release and then you feel amazing after it feels so light i feel like that's actually to your point feeling amazing that's why people literally say, I feel like shit, <laughs> literally, right? Literally. Because you have shit in you that you need to get cleaned up. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. And I was like, well, I thought I just had stomach aches or, you know, I was just tired or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. So taking a step back, what, what does the colon do that's so important? Like, why do we need to take care of it so much? So the colon is the main area in the body of absorption. So it's the last part of the digestive system. And so this is the area where we start to reabsorb nutrients of all the food that's, that we've just digested. Um, it also helps to get rid of the waste. So it, the colon is what actually decides what we're keeping and what we're getting rid of. And this, is also, this helps, to, um, helps with liver function, it helps with kidney function, all, the, all of the elimination organs in the body. Plus, if your colon isn't functioning well, you're going to notice it immediately in your skin. You're going to start to break out. You're going to start to, your skin's going to look dull. You can tend to get body odor. Nobody wants that. Right. So it's really important to keep the gut healthy and active and strong. Um, it's also called the second brain. You know, mm, listen to your gut. Yes, gut instinct. Listen oh to your gut instinct. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I literally just found that out right now. Yeah. So, I was sort of just like, oh, what you're feeling in, yeah. your, in your heart, in your gut. Mm-hmm. But now I get that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one thing that, and personally, I see this all the time. If my gut, which I, I generally do keep my gut pretty healthy, but I can always tell like if I'm coming back from vacation or if I had like a weekend of overindulging or going home for the holidays, my thoughts are insane. They're not, I'm not thinking clearly. I get super depressed. My anxiety's through the roof. Um, and I, at least it's good to have that body awareness to know that. And I know exactly what I need to do. I need to start drinking more water. I need to do a few days of green juices and flush, literally flush everything out. And you'll notice like your skin starts to clear up. You get that glow again and you feel alive and your, the anxiety is gone and the depression starts to go away. So that's what I try to start with, with most people that do come to me with depression and anxiety, start clearing that out to get your gut healthy. And then that gut mind connection is real. For sure. I mean, I've noticed every time, like you said, I not only feel lighter, but I'm like, wow, I, I just want to eat better. I want to mm-hmm. treat my body better. It's truly like that quote, like your body is on a garbage disposal. Stop yeah. putting garbage in it yeah. and you have to clean it out. But I think a lot of people think, oh, why don't I just drink green tea or coffee and flush myself out? Why, mm-hmm. why would you say those maybe aren't the best options? So green tea and coffee, yes, they're fine. They're, they're good for, I mean, I don't want to say like, coffee's like 
quote unquote good for you, but it's also not bad for you. Coffee in some in some therapies can be considered medicinal. Um, same thing with green tea, but of course in extreme moderation and small amounts. Are they going to cleanse the colon like a colonic? Absolutely not. Um, too much caffeine can be considered a diuretic or a laxative. Laxatives wear out the colon. We don't want to wear out the colon. It can slow down peristalsis. Peristalsis is the squeezing and contracting of the rectum. The rectum, or I'm sorry, the rectum and the, the large intestine. The colon is a muscle. So to strengthen the muscle, the only way that we can honestly strengthen that muscle is through food and water, not laxatives. So mm. eating healthy and drinking lots of water and getting colonics. And for colonics, like if you, if a person has is a seasoned client, um, for people who have come in regularly with me, I would suggest maintenance for a regular person is just a couple times a year, listening to your body especially when the seasons change, like right now, this is a great time of year to come in for a colonic. If a person's never had a colonic before, I highly suggest completing several colonics in a row. So either doing them one a week for several weeks or doing them as close together as possible. And that could be anywhere from three to eight. It just really just depends on the person and what their ailments are and what their digestive history is. Yeah, that's, I, I tried to go I think, what was it, like once a season, and then I was like, I'm going to go once a month. Mm -hmm. But I guess a good question is, how much is too much? I mean, you don't, just like anything, you don't want to do, like I wouldn't say come in every single day right. and do a colonic forever. Right. People do that. People Ooh. people do that. People come in, I mean, they don't God. come to me for that. I wouldn't I wouldn't see somebody for that often. Yeah. But, um, you know, you don't want to get your body used to anything. You know, like once a week, I think is fine. A person could come in once a week. My personal um, practice is doing a clinic once a week, once every other week. Just depends on how I'm feeling. Um, right now, this time of year, I'm doing once a week just because the seasons are shifting and my body's going through a major transformation. So I just need to keep everything clear. And uh, but yeah, so I wouldn't say doing them every day, but people do it. I've seen. Um, I've listened to actually podcasts about people saying how they swear by doing colonics every day or coffee enemas every single day. Oh. And I think it just becomes a little obsessive and yeah. then it just shifts the focus of why you're doing it. Yeah. Like you have to ask yourself, what's the purpose and what's my intention with doing this? If your intention is because you genuinely want to take care of yourself and you want to be healthy, great. But if your intention is because you're getting obsessed with it, then you need to take a step back and reevaluate. A hundred percent. That's yeah. scary that yeah. people are just doing that every day. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a chore. I'll yeah. be like, no. And it's expensive. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, where was people getting this money? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So... All right, everyone, we're back. You might have heard that I obviously am not in a professional setup, so there was a lot of doors slamming, people walking around, and we tried to move to a quieter space, but we'll pick up where we left off. I think we were basically asking how much is too much, and I, I wanna know too, is there, are there things that people can do at home to, for like self-care where they maybe wouldn't need to come in? Absolutely, so, well, here's the thing. There's nothing that you can do at home that's going to replace a colonic. There are things that you can do at home for maintenance. Um, at-home enemas are fantastic. I love at-home enemas. Um, the difference between an enema and a colonic is that the enema is just going to get the last couple inches of the descending colon. The colonic eventually will get through the entire five to six feet length of the colon, which I don't think I mentioned that yet. Maybe not. But yeah, that's, yes. that's how long? Yeah, so the colon... 
a lot of people don't realize this, the large intestine is shorter than the small intestine. The small intestine is about nine feet, but the large intestine is five to six, but it's wider. The diameter is a lot wider. It's about two and a half to four inches in diameter, but it can also expand. So there's people, there's studies, and there have been autopsies on people that their large intestine was so distended, so impacted with fecal matter that it was probably about six or seven inches bigger than what it should have been, oh which is gosh. why we get that distended belly. Yeah. Um, why it's so important to drink water and so important to have regular bowel movements and why it's necessary to have a colonic as well as these maintenance things like at-home enemas. And um, you can do fasts. I'm a huge advocate of fasting. Um, I don't like to do it too often, Same, similarly to doing colonics too often. But fasting is a really, really, really good way to completely reset the entire digestive system. It gives everything a break. It gives your, it gives your body an entire break um, to reset, especially again this time of year when the seasons are shifting. Um, I like to do like a one or two day fast of just doing broth and green juices and lots of water. Um, that's something that you can do at home. Also, when you're doing the at-home enemas, you can get probiotics to put in the enema. You can do coffee enemas. That's really good for the liver. Helps to open up the bile ducts of the liver and help flush out any excess bile. Um, what else is good? You can do sesame oil. That's actually really great for your skin. And it helps to add a lot of lubrication, aloe. There's tons, tons and tons of different things. What is the difference between, I, I don't even really know what an enema is, that and like a laxative? Okay, so an enema is where, again, you're going to use filtered water and possibly something else like coffee or probiotic or sometimes people use chlorophyll, um, sesame oil. That is going to be an insertion, a fluid insertion in the, into the colon. And then with the enema, you hold it, you try to retain it as long as you can. So you can retain, sometimes you can only retain it a couple minutes, but the goal is to retain it as long as possible. So I always suggest to people to do it either at night before bed and see if you could retain it all night or on a day when you have nothing to do. Because then you can do it in the morning, kind of see if you can go about your day and then you'll release a lot throughout the day. Um, a laxative stimulates, overstimulates the colon. So like I mentioned before, when we were talking about coffee and green, too much coffee or green tea, um, a laxative is gonna overstimulate the colon and wear it out and we don't want to do that. It's also going to wear away the lining of the rectum, which again, you don't want to do. Um, it's going to end up weakening the colon and causing constipation long-term. So I really don't ever suggest taking laxatives or stool softeners. Um, there are extreme cases where people are so impacted from like taking too many muscle relaxers if they're post-surgery um, or bad dietary habits or there's other other causes for that. Uh, in, in that situation, there's other things that you can do. There's something that I highly recommend to some of my clients, and it's a single strain probiotic. So probiotics, which we will get into um, in a few moments, but the single strain probiotic is a particular strain that focuses strictly on constipation. So I will have them purchase this probiotic and take it in the early evening because the transit time is usually about 12 to 14 hours. And sometimes I'll have them take up to six of them and it will just produce 
a very strong, efficient bowel movement the next day. Not like a laxative where it's gonna be crampy and uncomfortable and watery. This is gonna be solid and you're gonna release it with ease. Um, plus you're loading your body up with bacteria, with friendly bacteria. And then also taking their multiple strain probiotic at night. That is so much information, but I know how important it is to we always talk about probiotics. I think that's like a buzzword. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I didn't really know anything about it before I came to you. And then it's like I just heard it everywhere. And even at work, people were like, you don't take probiotics. So mm-hmm. I was like, did I miss the memo? Like, when was I supposed to learn this? But what do probiotics do? Why are they so important? So in the gut, we have a lot of bacteria. We have friendly bacteria and we have unfriendly bacteria. It's very important to maintain this healthy balance. Usually it's about 80% healthy, friendly, and 20% unfriendly. A probiotic is just in a very large, a large amount of the friendly bacteria. The importance of taking this is it's very similar to taking why we think it's so important to take a multivitamin. I want people to look at a probiotic like they would a multivitamin. It's gonna help to boost the immune system and helps to keep everything fluid in the colon and it also helps to produce stronger more efficient bowel movements um when you're in and again about 80 percent of the immune system resides in the colon plus there's a lot of hormones in the colon as well so if your hormones become imbalanced that is also going to lead to with females um hormonal fluctuations menstrual fluctuations um mood swings mood swings yes exactly Uh, yeah so that's another reason why it's important to take probiotics because it helps to keep all of that balanced Um, whenever you're having a colonic it's important to make sure you take a probiotic immediately afterwards because when you have a colonic you're getting rid of a lot of the bacteria not all of it but a lot of it Mm -hmm. so you want to replenish it instantly but probiotics are something you should be taking on a daily basis regardless i had a question of that that's kind of a devil's advocate question because i heard how your your colon is almost like a garden and then the probiotics are like the plants and they're Mm -hmm. being seeded and they're lining the colon and so if you get a colonic you're easily deteriorating all that or flushing it out what would you say against that so yes that that essentially that that there is some truth to that when you're having a colonic yes you are flushing a lot of that out which is why it's important to take a probiotic to make sure you're replenishing all of that. But along with all of that, you're also releasing a lot of the negative toxins and a lot of the excess fecal matter that's been stuck there. An average person can hold on to about seven to 10 pounds of excess fecal matter that's just stuck there. Mm -hmm. So when you have a colonic, it's like equivalent to about 10 massive bowel movements in one. Yeah, so that's hence why you feel so light and energetic afterwards. so yeah, so that's so that there is truth to that, but that's why it's important to make sure that you're taking a probiotic. Yeah. But also keep in mind too, with the standard American diet, a lot of people aren't eating properly. A lot of us are eating a lot of sugar, starchy foods, and lots of not. And I'm a total carnivore, but like in moderation. But there's lots of people that are eating animal protein every single day and not even good quality animal protein and same thing with starches they're not eating like sweet potatoes or having like muffins or you know I'm gonna go to Starbucks and get a donut or a sandwich or something and and then a coffee and then there's all that sugar and everything and all that sugar that we consume that kills all the good bacteria anyway so we even without having a clonic we can be killing all of the friendly bacteria also antibiotics medication Mm -hmm. that we're taking all the time so and a lot of us over medicate and we self medicate and self diagnose. So something to keep in mind. 
um, about the bacteria in the colon too. Yeah, so basically unless you're like vegan, you're not really flushing out that much stuff because you're undoing so much of it every day. You're yeah. doing so and bad and not working out and like you said, just yeah and not not even right and like and honestly like not even being vegan like you can still be if you could still eat animal protein but do it in a healthy mindful way because there's lots of vegans i saw a few of them today that have terrible diets terrible diets yes well because a lot of people have this conception that animal protein is terrible for us so it's not amazing for us but if you're getting really high quality animal protein then it's going i think that it can benefit us it's loaded with b vitamins iron um, and that protein is what's going to keep us satisfied fuller longer and can help keep your weight at where it should be um a lot of vegans will gravitate towards really starchy, heavy, processed food, mm-hmm. and we will tend to believe that because it's vegan or gluten-free that it's healthy for us. I, I can totally relate. I remember back when I was a kid, I would think, oh, if something's so fat-free, I can eat the whole thing. Mm-hmm. When Snackwells, do you remember Snackwells? Oh my gosh, so many things from back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Like, so yeah, I, I remember eating like four boxes of snack balls one day when I was probably 12 because I was like, they're fat free. And then I had this worst stomach ache. I felt terrible. And oh like God. that's around the time like my weight started to increase because that was like the fat free era. And little did we know that all of that sugar that was replacing the fat, it actually was making us fat, not the fat. And that's a whole other thing. Like fat, we have to not avoid fat. Fat is good for us like avocados, coconut oil, sesame oil, avocado oil, so amazing. Ghee, ghee is another thing. If you're not familiar with what ghee is, ghee is a clarified unsalted butter, and it's boiled to the point that all the milk derivatives are gone. So it's very healing and nurturing to the gut. So in Ayurvedic medicine, one of the things that practitioners will do if their clients are suffering from any GI issues, inflammation in the gut, or constipation, they'll have them take a tablespoon or two of ghee in the morning and in the afternoon. Like just straight up just on a spoon? Straight up what? on like, a spoon, yep. To and eat it. Like that's a lot of people's dream is just eat straight yeah. butter or something. Yep. And that's Delicious. basically the way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And I put it in my coffee. Similar to... Um, Bulletproof, how mm-hmm. bulletproof they use MCT oil, medium chain triglycerides, and um, sometimes grass fed butter. I will put a tablespoon of ghee in my coffee with a spoonful of powdered greens, and I get the chocolate flavored greens and a little bit of powdered turmeric, and it's amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah. I have to link that yeah. to my listeners because I think that's a really good tip. Yes. Um, I had a question about. We were just talking about like what good foods there are and what bad things there are and I think something that I always thought actually was our first time we met, I thought taking a gummy vitamin was really good i was like i don't really like big vitamins so i'll take a gummy multivitamin and you're like stop that immediately throw that away what are you thinking so let's first start with why gummies are bad Mm -hmm. and then what are just some foods that you're like that is the worst thing you could do for your colon okay so gummies they're mainly sugar and they're gelatin based and that is just going to cause a lot of impaction in the colon and sugar causes tons of inflammation so there's what if there's anything on the planet that 
we can eliminate dietary wise, it would be sugar. There's just no use for it. What am I going to do? I'm such a sweet too. I know. I mean, it tastes amazing. Yes. It makes our hearts happy. Yes. So if we can put ourselves in a position where we can literally eat sugar in moderation, have a piece of cake or a brownie or cookie, whatever it is that floats your boat, great. But if anybody's out there like me who I can't have just one. Like if I have a piece of a donut, I'm eating the entire carton of donuts. And that's, there's no questions asked. Don't stand in my way because this is happening. So Halloween is like your worst holiday. So I know Halloween I'm okay because I'm not a huge fan of candy. Okay. Like I want like, like. It's my worst holiday then. Oh my gosh. Like Christmas, the Christmas cookies back home. That's the worst for me. And my twin sister, I have a twin sister. And whenever I go home, her and I make a pact on the way to the family party. Like. We're going to keep an eye on each other. If one of us sees the other one over at the cookie tray, we have to pull the other one away. Never does it work. Cause it's we like both... a safe word for cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Because as soon as you start, it's over with. So that's that was my goal of actually the beginning of 2017 to give up sugar. And it's not a fun story, but back in January, I... Because my favorite thing to do on the weekends prior to this event... Um, I would go out on the weekend and I would have like six desserts. I would eat really, really good all week and clean and exercise. And then on the weekend, I'd go out with my friends and I'd we'd order dessert. And of course, I'd start and I'd be like, oh, let's get another one. Let's get another one. And then I'd feel like shit for yeah, yeah. five days. Um, well, all that excess sugar in my body ended up increasing my anxiety. Oof. And I had a terrible anxiety attack. Oh, my gosh. And to the point that I was hospitalized for it. So after they did all the tests and found out that everything was fine, my digestive system was clear, there was no blockages, no, because I had an anxiety, just anxiety attack in my gut, which is not super common, but um, that's where a lot of people actually tend to, especially women, tend to hold their fear, anxiety, and stress, Um, and that's where I had mine. So after they did all their tests, everything came back pot, like healthy and clean is when we talked about anxiety, which I used to suffer from. So the doctor talked to me about my diet and I told him and it's like, it could be the sugar. So I gave up sugar at that time. I have not had a single ounce of anxiety since. Oh my gosh. So I won't even like sugar does nothing for me anymore. So it's directly like you're literally just eating uh, an anxiety attack exactly. is what you're saying. Exactly. Like, people can be around me now. They can eat a brownie. They can eat... My absolute favorite thing was anything peanut butter and chocolate. And it doesn't faze me. Because I just know what well, does happen. You. And I, well, I don't ever want to experience that again. So... I think that's a good point because you also see all these documentaries and science has proven, like, when you eat something that you really like or sugar it, it's igniting the part of the brain that's pleasurable. Yeah. It's like similar to a drug addiction, mm-hmm, but now for you, you're saying it's actually doing, it's like triggering you. Yes. So essentially it's all about your mindset and what you're like, okay, wait, I really don't want to feel like that again. Mm-hmm. And you just have to train yourself. Exactly. What about people like me who are addicted? Like today I had a chocolate chip cookie and I had another one on Tuesday mm-hmm. and I actually, like my mom said, she ate 12 uh, Krispy Kreme donuts like once a week when she was pregnant with me and oh she thinks God. that's why I love sugar so much. Oh She's God. like, I think half your bloodstream is probably sugar. Wow. Um, is there any truth to that where your parents can become 
made me pass on you or is it truly just your own environment and what you like and you know I really do think that there is that it is connected that's that's my opinion I don't have scientific evidence to prove that um, but I do believe that that's true because what our what our parent what our mother is eating when she is creating us cooking us essentially um we're getting a taste for that you Mm -hmm. know just like when heroin addicts are still doing drugs when they're pregnant the baby comes out an addict you know so same thing with food if like if our parents my mother my mother was a complete sugar addict when she was pregnant with my sister and I and which I think that that's why it has a lot to do with it too um but it's also once you're out of the womb and you're starting to develop eating habits as a child I remember when I was in college, I learned that a child develops their eating habits before the age of three, and all of their fat cells are developed before that time. And so that's why it's important as a parent to really be mindful what we're feeding our children. Of course, like you want to, you know, you don't want to like deprive them because then that can cause, you know, an opposite effect but teach them mindfulness and everything in moderation. And like how you had a cookie today and a cookie the other day, like that's not a big deal. That's like, that's totally, that's, that's I think what everybody should strive to be able to do. Is, oh, good. Yes. And I don't feel that bad. <laughs> yeah, no. Two cookies a week. That's yeah. new. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's fine. Except I, I probably eat way more. Well, I also forgot to mention Halloween and how much oh, yeah. cookie cake I had then, but we're going <laughs> to cut cake. that out. That doesn't count. It's no, Halloween. no, it's Halloween. Totally perfect. It's a pass. <laughs> so we're talking about things that are obviously bad for you. Sugar, basically, you're saying is one of the worst things you can do for your colon. Mm-hmm. And fat is good for you. I kind of want to touch on that because I feel like I've been hearing that this year mm-hmm. for so long. It's low fat, stay away from fat. Yeah. Fat is bad for you. You're just, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you hear the word fat. Yeah. You think, let me put it in my body and then I'm going to get fat. Exactly. What, why is fat all of a sudden, maybe not all of a sudden, but to me all of a sudden, mm-hmm. something you should be eating? So... We have our macronutrients, fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are considered the prime or the the main energy source in the body. And then fats and protein are very satiating. They're also energy sources, but they're not they're not as common or as popular, I should say, as carbohydrates. When you eliminate carbohydrates, and I don't say, I don't mean eliminate like you're going on an Atkins diet or doing a keto diet. Um, I mean, just like cut out the sugar, be mindful of the carbohydrates you're putting in your body, make sure you're getting them from vegetable sources, um, lots of green leafy vegetables, cruciferous vegetables, sweet potatoes, um, beets, and increasing the healthy fats, like cooking with coconut oil and avocado oil, eating avocados and um, using ghee, grass-fed butter. The fat, that healthy fat is going to help. That's You're going to start to utilize that healthy fat as your energy source. And when you start to do that, then you start to burn off excess fat in the body as energy. And you will, if weight loss is ever a goal, then you're going to start to shed pounds. If not, then that also, one of the major benefits of an, a higher fat diet is cognitive function. It helps a lot. There's actually people who have neurological disorders that their doctors will prescribe them a higher fat diet, higher wow. fat, lower carb diet, and then moderate protein, um, depending on the person and depending on what their fitness level is or how much how active they are, where that would kind of determine how much protein a person will get. I was going to ask about that. Is the high-fat diet something you should do if you're not really into exercise or fitness? Like, can you still yeah. 
see benefits. Absolutely. So that's actually, and again, there, it, all diet stuff is very controversial. Mm-hmm. So, and it's also very individual. So you have to kind of find your sweet spot. Um, I do think that everybody should be active. I don't mean you need to be an athlete, but you should get some sort of physical fitness and some sort of exercise, either whether it's taking the stairs instead of the elevator, parking further down the street, um, or going in and doing a strength training class a couple times a week. Um, but yes, high. What was the question? I'm sorry. Oh, just if high fat is okay if you're not working out. Oh yeah, absolutely. So when again, when you're doing a higher fat diet, you're you're going to be fuller a lot longer. So you'll actually notice that you're going to eat a lot less than if you were doing a higher carbohydrate diet because a higher, higher carbohydrate diet is going to cause crashes. And then mm-hmm. we're going to get hungrier and then we're going to crave more starchy food, more sugary food. And that, that's what causes the, the food addictions. But higher fat, moderate protein keeps you fuller longer. And then those cravings tend to go away, which is what I, that's why I like doing a diet similar to that. I'm curious that you said, we've been talking kind of about how diets are controversial and you always hear different things about foods. So I have like a few quick fire questions Mm -hmm. about digestive myths and your stomach. Mm -hmm. So eating bread, your stomach will expand. Mm -hmm. That's true, right? So not necessarily. Depends on how much bread you're eating. So one thing that I used to like to tell my clients if they ate a ton of bread, if they were like bread with every meal or pasta with every meal, I grew up in a Sicilian household. So we had pasta every single day and bread and everything that came went along with it. So imagine when you, we were kids and we would make paper mache pastes for pinata and you're mixing the flour and the water and that, and that flour and water creates that thick hard paste. When you are eating a lot of bread or starchy foods, bread, pasta, and you're not fully hydrated, like your digestive system isn't lubricated the way that it should be, that bread and water, or that, that flour and water is going to create that hard paste inside the gut as well. Oof. And then the colon can become distended. So that is a, a reason why you want to make sure that you're eating that in moderation. And for the word distended, is that what you're saying? Yeah. What does that mean? it's going to create a fuller belly. Okay. So sometimes people think that they're quote unquote fat, but, or they have belly fat and it's not necessarily belly fat. It's just a lot of excess waste or bloat in the colon. Um, but that also causes a lot of stress because again, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of hormones in the colon and cortisol is the, the stress hormone and when we are not eliminating regularly or optimally we get very stressed and then that stress raises cortisol excess cortisol raises belly fat increases belly fat so another reason why it's important to be mindful of your diet um, if you're eating bread I would try to avoid white flour or whole wheat flour I would try to go whole grain like Ezekiel is great um, you can do rice flour what else is there? There's, um, oh gosh, there's like, there's a few good, oh, Julian's Bakery. Julian's Bakery makes amazing breads. She, she does gluten-free, she does vegan, she does dairy-free, 
And she's based in California. And I remember when I lived out there, it's when she first started. And now, I mean, I live in Chicago and she has, she's selling her breads in Whole Foods. Oh my gosh. So it's, it's amazing. So I can go to Whole Foods right now yep. and go pick this up. Absolutely. And it tastes amazing. Oh my gosh. So, and it's, it's low carb. Well, some of it is lower carb. So you can make like avocado toast with it and it's fantastic. And That's you'll feel great, yeah. Because I never know what bread to buy, because to your point, you hear wheat's good, so when I go to the grocery store, I'll be like, oh, whole wheat. Mm-hmm. Let me put this in my cart, and then people are like, no, whole wheat is not that great for you. Yeah. So it has to be whole grain, yeah. it has to be whole bread, or yeah. Julian's Bakery. Julian's Bakery is really good. Um, whole wheat is, like, it's sad, because it used to be so healthy. But after, like, the pharmaceutical companies became really popular and big farming business became really popular. The whole, because wheat was so overproduced, the whole molecular structure of it has changed. So our bodies mm-hmm. don't recognize it the way that it, that, the way that we used to. So it, again, that causes digestion issues and gas and bloating and it could create excess mucus to form in the, in the oh. intestine. Yeah. No fun. No, not great at all. Yeah. yeah. I guess on the opposite side then with veggies, I, for the longest time, was like, I hate veggies. I'm not a salad person. You, you kind of, like we said, train your mind to just mm-hmm. think, like, I'm, I don't eat salads. I'm not a, that type of person. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm this. Um, and I, in the past, like, three or four years, I've definitely been eating more veggies than usual. I try to, like, get them in here and there. Obviously, I know the importance of them. But why am I so hungry after I eat a salad? So, depending on what you're putting on the salad. Okay. Um, salad greens are very easy to digest and break down, so you're not necessarily going to get super full on them. Um, I would recommend if you're making a salad, do about three handfuls of really good quality lettuce. I love butter lettuce. I love arugula, so I usually do a mix of those two and sometimes some field greens. And I will chop up a little bit of avocado. The fat is in what's the fat in the avocado is what's going to keep you fuller. I put some um, good protein on there. So depending on what I'm eating that week, sometimes I'll roast a chicken and I'll put some chicken on there. Other times I'll make some nine, like ground beef, 96% lean. I get it at Trader Joe's. I'm obsessed with Trader Joe's right now. Completely obsessed with it. Um, and I'll roast some vegetables or stir fry some vegetables. I've been really into stir frying peppers and cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower. I'll throw some of that on there and I crumble up some kale chips that I get from Trader Joe's as well the nacho ones and I crumble up just a few of those on top just for some crunch you could put some cashews or nuts or pine nuts or something whatever you like and putting like a ton of like healthy fatty whole foods in there that's what's going to keep you full so a lot of times people think I'm going to order a salad and they just get lettuce and like tomato and you know, a few vegetables, of course you're not going to be full, you right. know, like there's nothing on there. Yeah. So yeah, the idea is to make it a full, robust salad. And by fatty salad, we're not talking blue cheese, no. ranch dressing, bacon bits. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> my old salad. Yeah, me too. Me too. I used to love ranch dressing and bacon bits were my jam when yeah, I was like, and I was like, I'm still healthy. There's yeah. tons of veggies under this. Mm-hmm. Like it's so counterproductive. Yeah. You're, just hiding yeah. the bacon bits. You're basically putting ranch on iceberg lettuce, and like that's your yeah. that's that's the the uh, delivery for the ranch. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, and that's another thing too, dressing. Dressing is really important. So depending on your your taste, I would usually recommend just a little bit of lemon juice. You can do a little bit of olive oil or sesame oil and salt and pepper, Himalayan sea salt with black pepper. I really love this avocado, or I'm sorry, this cilantro dressing I get from mm-hmm. Trader Joe's. It's very clean. Oh my gosh, me too. It's so clean. It tastes amazing and a little bit goes a long way. So I just put a little tiny little bit in there, shake it up and it's fantastic. And another thing I've been super into with vegetables is riced cauliflower. And I I feel like that is the rage last three months. I've been hearing about that. It's so good. And another beautiful thing about Trader Joe's is they sell it. And so I just... It's ready to go? It's ready to go. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So, such a lazy cook. Oh my gosh. So anything to make cooking easy is ideal. So that's why I love going to Trader Joe's because they chop up all their vegetables already. Everything's packaged up. All you have to do is cook it. So I'll saute the cauliflower, the riced cauliflower as if it was rice and I'll cook it in the ghee and I'll brown it a little bit. And then in the separate pan, I'll stir fry some veggies and whatever type of protein I'm eating. And that's lunch and dinner and it's fantastic and it's super oh filling. Gosh. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Oh, I'm like already thinking about my grocery list now mm-hmm. I'm like hmm I might just need to text you and be like can you customize a list for me yep. because I go to the grocery store hungry and then I get like again chocolate <laughs> cookies or things that are like disguised as healthy yeah. and it's not and I'm like oh yeah. I need to stop doing this yep. but I think too a question I had because there is such a debate about meat mm-hmm. and I always hear different opinions like you know meat moderation not that bad red meat is horrible for your gut um, you know, chicken is not that great unless it's X, Y, Z. What are your thoughts on, on meat? So meat is, again, it's so controversial. And, you know, I hate to say listen to your body because sometimes we don't know how to listen to our body. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I do think that we need animal protein. I think that it's essential for, for most people. Um, I can always tell in some of my clients and, and within myself when I'm cutting back on meat, I will start to get very depleted energetically and um, I'm, my, I'm not as vibrant. So sometimes you just need that, that like splurge of mm-hmm. nutrients. Um, not to say you need to eat it every single day, but with you know, chicken, chicken just gets a bad rap. Chickens, it's just so dirty. It's one of the, probably one of the dirtiest chicken and pork. Um, not to say I don't eat it. I do eat it. I can't lie and say that I don't. Um, but I do try to get organic and I prepare it myself. If I go to a restaurant, I generally don't eat chicken. Usually if I go to a restaurant, I will, that's the time I get a steak. Um, especially if it's a nice restaurant, then you know that it's going to be a good quality. Um, if I am buying beef, I will usually get, well, always get organic, um, no hormone free, steroid free, antibiotic free. And, um, yeah. And just, just have it a couple times a week, you know, and same thing with seafood, seafood also, it's like so hard to trust. Where do you get it from? So if there's, there's, okay. So there's actually a market, it's called the Amish, Amish bakery. It's right on Western in Ukrainian village on Western between. And this is in Chicago, everyone. Yes. In Chicago, um, on Western Avenue between division and Levitt and everything they sell there is from their farm or another farm in Indiana. So all their produce is, is grown locally and their, their, um, animal protein is all locally sourced so there's nothing added to it and you can tell because it's all tiny all yeah. the, in, which is what it should be so I do like to go there a lot um, as, mu- as often as I can 
for things like that. If I if I'm cooking for people, I'll go there to get the protein or um, vegetables as much as I can. So if you're gonna rank meat in like healthiest, I guess there's I can't think of another word. If you're like for me, I love meat. Like mm-hmm. when I go to Chipotle, I get half steak, half chicken. Mm-hmm. I get like steak bowls anywhere I go. Yes. Just I love steak, yeah. and I always hear that red meat is bad for you. But now I'm hearing from you, it might not be as bad as people made it out to it's, be. No, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's, again, it's not something you want to eat every single day because right. um, it's not great for the gut. If mm-hmm. you eat it every single day, you're gonna get very constipated. You're gonna get very bloated, and it's you know. I don't want to be morbid, but when you think about like what that animal went through, you know, especially how a lot of the animals are raised here, um, that we're we're consuming that we're consuming that fear, and that's what I don't like. Um, which is why I like to get as much locally sourced um, protein as possible. Um, but another really great source of protein, which I've been really really into lately, is cricket protein. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to say it's like quote unquote new, but it's new for me. And I I read about it about a year or two ago and I've never tried it until recently. And it's phenomenal. Okay, we need to take a step back. We're talking about it's straight up from a cricket. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? Like what part of the cricket is the whole thing? The whole cricket. And it's, does it come looking like a cricket? No, actually I have it with me. Oh my gosh. I just realized. Just check this out, you guys. So I get... Field experiment. It's called... Chapel cricket protein. protein. Oh, okay. So it's like a snack. You're not putting this in like a burrito. No, definitely not. No, no, no. So this is protein powder. So I love protein powder. As I mentioned before, I'm a trainer and a yoga teacher. So protein powder is kind of like a staple for for Mm -hmm. me. And um, I'm not a fan of whey protein. I'm not a fan of soy protein. Even like a lot of the vegan protein powders out there, they, they don't fill you up. So it's like... Okay, I'm hungry an hour later. So I was reading about cricket protein probably about a month ago, and I was like, you know, let me just try it out. And I am full for three straight hours on it. I just put a little bit of almond butter in there, and I mix it up. And the way I don't do protein shakes, I don't like drinking protein shakes. I like making pudding. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so I'll just do a scoop of the protein powder, a tablespoon or two of almond butter, and enough coconut, or I'm sorry, enough almond milk to stir it up and make a pudding. And it's so, so, so good. Oh, man, and, I need you to send me that. Yes, and especially if you have a sweet tooth, that will, say, that will satisfy your sweet tooth. That is so sure. funny because a few years ago, I actually lost a lot of weight, and I was very strict. I wasn't going out. I was I was pretty, like, obsessive over it. Uh, I, I did learn how to eat better, and I'm so thankful for that, but it was definitely, like, tracking every single thing mm-hmm. and making sure, like, I would literally turn down social events because I was like, no, I yeah. can't be there. And that's obviously not healthy, you know. Yeah. I don't want to be cooped up mm-hmm. and be healthy in my own room. Right. Like, there's right. no point in that. Exactly. But I was drinking protein shakes every morning, like, mm-hmm. and now it's to the point where I'm like, oh, I can't even look at a protein mm-hmm. shake because I had it so much. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear there's an alternative. Yes. yes. So let's say um, about, like, sweets and stuff, I always hear the myth of cherries getting stuck in your colon for like seven years like that was a myth and gum yeah like if you swallow gum yeah. it's gonna stay there for like two years no. these are false yeah so okay. i mean 
I've been giving colonics for 16... I'm sorry, not for six. I've been getting them for 16 years. I've been giving colonics for about 12 years. Never have I seen a toy. I've never seen a coin. I've never seen a cherry pit. I've never seen... A wad of gum. A wad of gum. I've never seen anything like that. Okay. So I've... See, you, you know, it's like you see the average things you see during a colonic is obviously stool. You see the waste. You see mucus. You see bile, and you see water, and that's really it. That's and gas and gas bubbles. Um, and it's and a lot of undigested food. Mm-hmm. Let me say that because a lot of people don't chew their food. I was one of them for many years, where oh, I would literally just me. yep, just inhale my food. Yep. <laughs> and when I was in school for colonics I was the guinea pig in the class because my nobody else in there has ever had a colonic so my teacher's like all right you're gonna be the guinea pig so it's like sure free colonics why not yeah so that was during a time in my life where I inhaled my food and as she was colonicking me in front of the whole class she was like you had a grapefruit yesterday there's that celery stock from however many hours ago and I was like she's like you need to chew your food so since then, I started making it a habit to chew my food. And then you notice when you chew your food, you're not as hungry later on. And you don't have stomach aches because when you're having all this, like, this whole food in your gut, it's like sitting there and it's the digestion process is so much harder my gosh, than it yeah. would be. Because you're, so, you're liquefying it yeah, instead of all eating starts, it like a block of yeah, food. Yeah, exactly. It all, the digestion all starts in the mouth. So that made me think when you said, there goes your grapefruit, there goes your celery. I need people to visualize the process of getting colonic. We already talked about how you go in, you lay down, you massage, you put, what do you call it? Not a tube. Is it a tube? It's a speculum. Okay. It's called a speculum. In layman's terms, it's like a small tube, but it's not, it's not what you think you guys, again, it's not a hose. No. Um, and the... I guess the weird part when you first go in is you do see the clear tube that's hooked up to the machine mm-hmm. where your waste is exiting. Mm-hmm. And I will say, for some people, that might be hilarious. You're like, wow, I'm actually basically essentially watching myself go poop in it's front ex- of this person. That's exactly and what you're doing. it's so awkward. Yeah. But it does actually make you look and be like, whoa, like, mm-hmm. what was that huge chunk that just left my mm-hmm. body? What is this? What are some things that if you're getting colonic and and you were looking that would be alarming that you would be like whoa this is like really not good um, blood if I if okay. if I were giving a colonic to somebody and they started releasing dark blood then that would be very alarming and I can say like with a happy heart that that's never ever ever happened oh, good thank goodness um, if that were to happen I would send them immediately to the doctor to the hospital okay. Um, yeah, but you know, also it can be somewhat alarming if a person comes in who does not ever have a bowel movement, um, where they continue to not release while they're on the table after they haven't had bowel, a bowel movement in several months. So you're saying if nothing comes out, that's yeah. kind of alarming too. Yeah, it's not alarming in the sense of how alarming it is if somebody is releasing dark blood, but it's alarming enough to know that they need some attention. They mm-hmm. need medical attention because there's something going on inside that a, a colonic's not going to help mm-hmm. and that simple diet change is not going to help. So, And we were talking earlier about how the process is, it, it consists of filling with water and releasing. I think people, again, think that you're turning on like a shower spout mm-hmm. and it's blasting. No. In. What would you say no. to describe to listeners the pressure 
of water going in is? It's very gentle. So when whenever I'm filling the colon, we have two hoses that are attached to the machine and to the speculum. We have an inflow and an outflow. When we're filling the colon, the water is going is entering the colon at a very, very, very slow pace. So it's basically trickling into the colon. So you don't really feel much in the very beginning. Depending if you do have some something that needs to be released right at the tip of the sigmoid, then yes, you're gonna feel it right away. But if not, then it's gonna take several minutes for you to actually start to feel any fullness or cramping. There's no blasting of water whatsoever. Um, once so we you're saying in, like that person that might be stuck, you're not gonna like blast it harder no. to get something. Never, ever, (laughs) ever would I do that. That would just be so uncomfortable. And that would just be plain mean. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But when I release the water, then I turn the, the... the um I turn the water up a little bit but you don't feel the difference because everything's releasing so that just helps get things out faster and for someone like me when I went it I'm just gonna be straight up with you guys it does feel like you are shitting your pants like that's what it feels like (laughs) yeah and I was like I'm something's gonna happen on this table I don't know what to do um, what does someone who's never been, when they go, how do you ensure them, like, okay, you're, you're not actually going to do anything on the mm-hmm. table? It's just how you feel. Like, do they tell you, hey, please stop the filling of the water? Or do oh, you yeah. say, I know what to do? Yeah. So, yes, it's very, very, very common with people who come in that they're extremely nervous. So I do my very best to ease your mind and make you as comfortable as possible. And I guide you through everything. I will guide you through breathing techniques. If there's anybody that's familiar with yoga, there's a breathing technique called Ujjayi Pranayama. And it's just long, deep inhales through the nose and then longer, deeper exhales through the nose, which is one of the most calming, relaxing breaths on the planet. But it's also essential to do during colonics because you're each inhale, you're separating the diaphragm from the colon and creating more space for water to flow through. Um, so I'll guide my client to to, the, to do this breathing technique, which will essentially calm them down. And if they feel tense and nervous, um, I'll just place my hand on their belly, and sometimes I'll give them some lavender to smell. I usually have some music playing. The lights are dim. And I just try to create a really soft, warm environment to make them feel right. calm. It's not like white walls and a sterile right, right. gross it, doctor's office. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people think, that they're think that it's going to be when they come in, it's going to be cold, and they're going to be like on this flat table and completely uncomfortable and bright lights in their face. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like that at no. all. Your space is like it's like a massage area. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I wanted. I wanted it to be very, very calming and soothing and relaxing. So then in the more the calmer you are, the more you're gonna release with much more ease. It's normal to feel cramping, it's normal to feel a little uncomfortable during the during the releases, but as long as you just breathe through it and trust that it's going to pass, you're going to be a-okay. Nothing's going to, nothing, you're not going to push the speculum out, and nothing's going to, people think that they're going to, like, that the speculum is going to come flying out. I, I actually was <laughs> just about to ask that, like, yeah. what is the worst thing that has happened while you've given a colonic? Um, the worst thing that's happened is a person pushing the speculum out. Oh. Yeah. So, but to be honest with you, I mean, it's, I could, it does not phase me by any means. Like, right, because you're a professional. This, yes, I've been doing this for so long, and it's like, okay, no big deal. It's I just feel terrible for the client because they're mortified, and yeah. there's nothing to be mortified about. It's just, okay, then I just have you 
get up, you go to the toilet, I'll clean up, and then I just go wait for them to finish up in the toilet. How long are they usually uh, to last? Like, how long should a colonic take? A colonic can take anywhere from 35 to 50 minutes. That's generally the time that we're on the table. I don't ever time my colonics. So, because everybody's different. Every single time you come in, it's going to be different. Sometimes you're going to come in and we're going to be on the table for 55 minutes. Then you're going to come in next week and you're going to be on the table for 35 minutes. It's just completely different. It just, it all depends on how much you've released on your own, how hydrated you are, what your diet's been like, how stressed you are. And, um, yeah. So it's not like, hey, book 50 minutes of me in and out the door. It really is all different. Yeah, totally different. So that's why if you ever schedule, you'll notice that like my sessions are anywhere from 75 to 90 minutes because you're never on the table that length of time, but I book that amount of time just to make sure that we have plenty of time and there's no, I don't ever want you to feel rushed or uncomfortable. What about pre and post care? Like let's say tomorrow I'm getting colonic. Mm -hmm. Should I have been doing something all week to prepare for it? Do I need to do something tomorrow morning to prepare? So if you were coming in for a colonic tomorrow, I would advise that today you would have made sure that you were very hydrated. So drinking about a gallon of water today and eating mindfully. I wouldn't say going and having a pizza and like having burritos and tacos and stuff. Or, um, but if you did, it would be, oh, it would be fine. Like okay. you could totally come in for a colonic the next day. The day of the colonic, I just want you to stop eating about three hours before you come in uh-huh. and then just so your body's not digesting anything and then stop drinking anything about a half hour, 45 minutes so you don't have a full bladder on the table. And what about after? Like, what is recommended? Am I, if it's a Saturday night and my friends are getting pizza, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you wouldn't want that. But is there something like you have to lay down for three hours? You can't work out? No, you can do whatever you want to do after a colonic. You can literally go about your day like you normally would. It's not uncommon for a person to feel a little tired, a little um, fatigued, achy. Not, I'm sorry, not achy, but... Um, um, and I guess like sometimes like fever, you know, like fever mm-hmm. aches, it's not uncommon to feel that way. Um, sometimes you do feel a little cramping after session because you may still need to release something. Um, but that all passes within a couple of hours if you even feel that. And then the, there's times people get off the table and they can go run a marathon or go teach a yoga class afterwards. And that's great. Um, but if you had plans, like if you did a colonic on a Saturday and you had plans with your friends that night, you can definitely go and see your friends and do you're not out of commission absolutely not no way i've never never in my lifetime of colonics have i myself been out of commission or any of my clients told me they've been out of commission because i feel like people think it's invasive and it's almost Mm -hmm. like surgery and you're gonna have to lay down and take a nap and Mm -hmm. relax but you can just go about your day totally go about your day awesome yeah I think to wrap up, what are some benefits of colonics? We've talked about how important colon health is in your digestive system, but if I were to regularly get colonics outside of my digestive health, what are some not only like inner benefits, but outer benefits from getting these? So outer benefits of colonics, like we mentioned before, is your skin. Because your, your skin and your colon are the two largest organs of the body for purging toxins. And if you're not releasing optimally through the colon, you're going to release it through the skin. So when you're releasing, when you're having colonics, your skin is going to show. You're going to have a really bright, beautiful glow. You're going to have brightness in your eyes. You're going to sleep a lot better. You're going to be less gassy and less bloated. You're going to have so much more energy. You're going to have so much more mental clarity. Um, and you're not, you're going to lack body odor, which is awesome. <laughs> and, um, 
Yeah, so and you'll notice your hair starts to grow a little bit better than it was before. And again, you start to crave better food. You're not going to crave sugary food. You're not going to crave processed foods. You're going to literally crave broccoli and cauliflower and vegetables that are seasonal and foods that are seasonal. So that's always nice too. And um, you're going to want to drink more water, which is awesome too. Yes. Uh, but yeah. Is there anyone that can't get a clinic? Like if you're pregnant or if mm -hmm. you just had surgery or yes. if you're too young? Mm -hmm. So age is, 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 is interesting. I've, I've had clients that were as young as eight years old wow. um, with their parents in the room and um, they had they were actually recommended to me by their Western doctor because they were so impacted and it was all stress related um, for the kids. Um, but yes, pregnant, pregnant women, I would not, um, suggest okay. a colonic on until after their second trimester. And if they are regular, if they're seasoned at colonics, um, anybody, if you've had any surgery in that area in the, in the last six months, I would avoid doing a colonic. If you have severe hemorrhoids, I would definitely avoid a colonic. I have a list of, uh, contraindications here. If you have a cardiac condition, if you have diverticulitis, diverticulitis is where you have polyps and inflammation in the mm -hmm. colon. So that's caused by bad diet, it's caused by drinking too much alcohol and stress. Um, so severe anemia and um, ulcerative colitis, if you have uncontrolled hypertension, um, those are all things that you would want to get doctor's approval or avoid colonics altogether. And so are those things that you would ask or check for before mm -hmm. they came or Absolutely. is it just like, Hey, hopefully you already did this research yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. Once, when we sit down and have our consultation, that's something that we talk about. We talk about all, like all of your medical history and any medications that you're on okay. and, um, supplements and all that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, where can everyone find you? Because I know I'm due for one. I haven't been in mm -hmm. forever and I've been eating like garbage, like I said, Halloween I had Oreos, cookie cake, chips and guac, like oh, you're probably about to like cover your ears and be like, don't tell me anymore. <laughs> no, you don't look like it. You look amazing. Oh, you're thank glowing you. today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, probably my highlighter. Mm -hmm. But where can people find you not only um, at your actual office but online? So people can find me at christinascolonics.com. And you can reach me at Christina at christinascolonics.com or 312-623-9137. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll be sure to put that info too so people can find you. But thank yes. you so much for being here, thank everyone. You so much Take care you. of your colon. That is the main message here. Mm -hmm. And bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much.